Hey everyone, welcome to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. In this show, we hear from leaders on the challenges and breakthroughs that have shaped them on their journey toward becoming a sage. Welcome back, everybody, to Savage to Sage. I am Daniel, the co-host of the show. Today, I'm joined by John Dockery, the founder and CEO of What's Up 24-7. Welcome, John. Hey, welcome. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. So first off, just tell us the brief story of What's Up 24-7. So you use the pun, what is up with that company and <laughs> what are you doing? And um, why did you start it? I'm glad you asked. So let me let me just go back. So in 2007, I had owned a mortgage company for 10 years and uh, been in that business for 20 in my little town of Alexandria, Indiana. And all of a sudden I'm unemployed. And the only anchor I have to any kind of reality is I was on city council because I wasn't just unemployed, Daniel. I was unemployable. I do not have a college degree. I made very good money for many years. And there were 600,000 people with my resume out looking for work in the following 18 months. So it wasn't a good time to be finding, you know. So in 07, I volunteered uh, for to just try to change my community. I'm in a rural town with 5,000 people. I have six kids and I have one goal in my life, and that is my grandkids be raised in my town near me. I, you know, I've always, I taught my kids, you know, you can live here and everything's here. You can travel the world from here. You don't have to move anywhere else, you know. So my motivation uh, to start What's Up 24-7 was after I had been involved in community development for about six years at the really local and ground level. I ran the economic development for my town. I was this uh, chamber director for my town. I was also visitor bureau, main street director, and city council. So I wore a lot of hats and I had no more hours in a day, no more resources to work with. But everybody, all the gurus in the, in the rural economic world said, if we're going to change and ever try to survive, we've got to work together. They mean rural communities. We've got to support each other. You know, so I, I belonged to an organization for about five years called Rural Communities Thinking Regionally. And so there were like 27 communities in a six-county region that were trying to figure out how could we can work together. And the harder we tried, the harder it seemed. Uh, you know, it's, it's, everybody wants to start in their community, uh, everybody. And so, but one lady said one day, she goes, what we need is we need a community calendar that we all share. And then I started paying attention to that. Every community, every meeting I was at, people started saying, man, we need a community calendar. Well, I happened to be with community leaders. And what they were saying was this, we are sick and tired of planning events for six months to roll out our marketing three weeks before the event to find out there's five events on the same day. And that happens all the time. It happens in big cities, happens in little, but when you're in a rural community and you take five events, put them on one weekend and you don't have anything five weeks before and four weeks after, it seems like there's never anything going on. And if you just knew what was happening and you did better planning. So I set out to try to build, that's what WhatsApp started uh, about eight years ago. We started with just a concept of building a community calendar. And so I built it, it was gonna be Facebook-esque. Everybody was gonna put all their stuff on my calendar. Everybody in the world would go to this calendar. And what I found immediately was that community said, okay, we don't like the idea of putting a calendar on our website, but they leave our website to see what's going on. So we flipped the script and we said, okay, what if we resided on your website? And that kind of opened up my eyes to what was started to be missing. About eight years ago, newspapers started failing in rural communities and closing their doors. Well, that was the communication linking communities. 
25 years ago, we started leaving our communities to work on a regular basis. So we had people that will, you'll leave town every day to work and you'll come home at night. You don't belong to civic organizations anymore, so you don't know what's going on. So what we looked at was we started building our platform. And the whole goal for What's Up 24-7 is that our platform resides on local websites. If you went out today and looked at, and, and I'm really focused on rural, that's my passion, although it fits anywhere. It's, we've got major communities doing it as well. Our entire focus was how do we help everybody? And you just think about how systems work. And if you take any community, what, what community do you live in, Daniel? Where do you live at? I live uh, basically in this called Northern Estates. It's a little community just west of uh, the Museum of Art, Newfields. So In what town? Indianapolis. So yep, you're in Indianapolis. Indianapolis. So Indianapolis doesn't survive unless they bring people from about a 50-mile radius on a regular basis. I mean, that's a fact. Right. You know, well... So I, what I realize is that's true of every community. My little community doesn't survive if they don't bring people from a five-mile radius, okay? But, but if our communities are going to support each other, what we have to do is we've got to start supporting each other in a new way. So What's Up 24-7 resides on a website. So take my little town of Alexandria. Alexandria can literally put the, our platform or their website, and everything that happens in Alexandria through what we call co-promotion, it, they literally select what they want to show up on their website. So they do that. Everything in their own zip code will show up on the website. But then they can reach outside of that into Muncie and into Pendleton and into Kokomo. And they can take those, those elements of those other communities that make living in Alexandria better and promote those. I mean, think of Alexandria. I live between one hour from two major zoos, Indianapolis, Fort Wayne, one hour from two minor league baseball fields. You know, the 10, the, what is it? The 10, uh, 10, whatever it is in Fort Wayne and, and Indianapolis both have major minor league teams. And we've got so many things. I live in the middle of everywhere. That's what I realized. So we started with the event system and then I had communities ask me this. They said, John, we don't know how to promote our local businesses. You know, chambers of commerce are, are do a really, really good job. I was a chamber director, but we really only reach about between 10 and 18% of the business community. That means fully, you know, 80% of the business community is never represented in their community. We used to be, you and I grew up in what I call the Ma Bell world. And literally we knew what was going on around us because AT&T put a phone book out. That doesn't exist today. You know, and we live in a Google pay to play world. So in a small town, you know, if I look something up in my town, most likely I'm getting out of the big cities, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be, they paid for it. And my stuff gets shoved down page two or three. So we look to change that. So I communities ask me that. And then, you know, in Indiana, there's 42 counties that don't have a tourism bureau. So I had these counties saying, can you help us promote what we otherwise can't? So we built that. And recently we just rolled out a jobs listings because the lack of newspapers in so many of our rural communities. So if you start looking at the websites that we work with, what we've done is we've built a platform. So these are plug and promote uh, systems. And real simply, they plug in these four components of ours and everyone else manages them. The local community, when I was wearing all the hats, I didn't have time to go around and see who's had jobs listings, who had an event going on. But I did have time, one time, to hit a button and say, I, every, if you have something, I want it on my website. So we built it in a way so everybody can manage really, really quality information and, and promote it and show it in any way they want. It's very custom. Chamber focuses can, can focus on promoting chamber events only. A community can only promote their own events. A church can promote their own. And so it's, there's no size that matters to us. Anybody can do and, and manage our information. So we're the universal system 
all the data sits in our system that anybody can reach in and grab whatever they want and showcase on their own platform, a website, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. I think we'd probably fill up a whole show just on that, that topic alone. I, which is fascinating, you know, and I love what you're doing too, just because before I moved to Indianapolis, like I came from a small town myself and in Western New York. And I was actually, interestingly, I was on there, uh, like this, this past weekend, cause I played soccer and my alma mater, small school, Western New York, smallest division, they won the state finals in soccer. And it was like this blast from the past. And there was just all of this, like, oh, how cool. yeah, like this nostalgia of man, that that's where like my roots are. And, um, you know, but then I, I look at the life, the family that I've created here, like, my parents and my wife's parents are all here now and which is great, but it's like, there's something, there's something about those roots, you know, yeah. of where, like, I, I call it like the native landscape of my soul, you know, that like, it's hard to, hard to recreate when you're, you know, now I'm in a very urban area. And so I have to find like, for me, it's like just getting outdoors into the wilderness as much as possible. Uh, but I like how you're, you're connecting it with like just the lifeblood of of these small towns because you know like as you know like a lot of the statistics are going against basically a lot like small towns being ghost towns um oh, yeah. as as people flock to you know urban areas and so like what you're doing is is just so important and so that's a long thing to say just to reflect on what you shared to to ask you like what was it that you decided when you started what's up 24 seven, like I need to do something about this. And like, I need to throw everything into this. You know, oh, I've but- done that. I, okay. So I have, I've thrown everything into this because I believe our rural communities are worth saving. The bottom line is I did this because I believe that we can make a difference on a broad scale. And so I, what really caught me off guard though, was I really thought I could build this in the model that was being built in the day about seven, eight years ago, I started this. It was, everything was Facebook, selling ads and get rich, right? That was the, well, that wasn't my intent. It was never, let's see how rich we can get. How can we help these communities? But ads made it sense, made sense, you know? Well, then communities asked me to keep it on their website and that just changed everything which I appreciate because local websites, if you, if you went out today and looked at websites and I don't care what kind of city, big and small, a lot of them are outdated, bad information, can't find anything. So when you plug our stuff in there and it's current, it's dynamic and it's managed by the the provider, not by you. It's just almost hands-off. It really, we elevate and enhance websites of all sizes and all stuff, you know, for all communities. So literally the, the ability for what we did, but I had to figure out how to, pay for it. So I went to the, this, one of the smallest little organizations I could find. And we've got this historic society in our community. So I caught up with a few people who helped run that. And some of the neatest, you know, these 80 year old people that have these big dreams <laughs> and, they, and, and, and they keep the history of our community. So I went and sat down with them and I said, uh, help me out. If you could market your, the historic society here, cause you're only open four hours a week what could you afford a year to market this? And they said, you know, we, we don't have any money. I said, I know that's why I came. I came to you because you're going to tell me that. But you and I both know if you're, if our refrigerator went out today, 
we'd find a way to have one tomorrow. So it's not a matter of not having money. It's a matter of, do we want to put the money in that place? Does it add enough value? So I said, if I could help market for this region and people came and they saw this and they enjoyed what you guys offered, what could you really afford? They said, man, we couldn't do over $500 a year. I said, okay, could you afford 300? He said, well, yeah. I said, okay, I got one other question. If I charge 300 to you and I charge 300 to the Children's Museum in Indianapolis, the number one in the country, would you be mad at me? Well, why would we? I said, human nature, because they have all the money and you have none. So, but if I don't make this affordable for the least of us, then it won't work. So that's the model we built. This is a subscription model. Uh, we built it so anybody can afford it. Uh, the entry point's minimal. And, and $300 for them, that was every date, every event they ever did. That's a listing on our uh, directory. That's their destination. If they ever had a job or anything they want to do. So they, they get the whole package. But our starting point's free. When we started building the directory, we build it like the white pages. So communities can go in and literally get their entire community listed just like the old phone book. And if you've got an active community that's trying to get people connected, you know, just tell people, go out there, it's free. And then we enhance that. For 12 bucks a year, we let you do what would be way beyond the yellow pages. I mean, to be able to go out and enhance it to a, a tremendous level. Images and hours and, you know, descriptions, in-depth descriptions. So we, for 12 bucks a year, we, we let people do that. And then all the, you know, all the jobs you could ever post, we charge $10 a month or hundred bucks a year. Well, you can't post one job at a newspaper for that, but you know, so anyways, we built this out. So it's just ridiculously affordable. The reason we did it is we understand rural. A lot of people are working on shoestring, you know? So we tried to, the several things we had to do when we built what's up, it's got to be manageable with very little resources. That's why we have everybody manage their own and nothing else, period. And it has to be affordable. And that's the reason why we did this. So, you know, any organization can afford to promote themselves. And, you know, if you go look at Google, we looked up, you know, what, what should a company charge, you know, spend on marketing every year? And they say 2 to 10% of your revenue. Well, the maximum you could spend with us if, you're, if you had everything and you were a destination is 300 bucks a year. And so that would mean you were doing 15,000 in revenue. That's a max you can spend with us. And at 2% of revenue, which is the least amount you should spend according to Google and marketing, you, you got a $15,000 revenue organization. If that's all you're doing, chances are it's a hobby. If you're doing above that, we, we created a path for you to market yourself and get regional awareness. So our whole goal is to get all communities engaged because we all need each other. Yeah. I love your, your vision and passion for, for that, especially for these communities to thrive. I, I also know like from talking to many entrepreneurs like you, there's, there's just a lot of like when you step out to do something that's challenging to stand up a new company, like it's really hard. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of tests. And what was like the biggest test for you that really challenged kind of you moving forward? And how did you learn from that? So we tested, <laughs> every day's a test. Um, I would love to say I was just making money hand over fist. We're not there yet. So when we started this, the first thing I did is uh, I had a community that called me and we do, I've got another company that builds websites for small communities and not-for-profits. So I had a, a chamber of commerce in Benton County, Indiana, this little county with 8,500 people. Called me and said, will you build us a website? I said, sure, let me come over, we'll talk. And I sat down with the board president and one of the members, uh, and, and that was it. There's no director. It's just a, a just a board brand, you know, bunch of volunteers trying to run a chamber of commerce. 
And he says, man, we want to build a blog. I said, well, I don't do blogs. What do you mean you don't do blogs? I said, they are content heavy. I mean, if you can't write content regularly, the blog's worthless. And I, no board volunteers, no board of volunteers can be able to do that. So I won't do that. Now, if somebody else will, that's fine. But what are you trying to accomplish? And he says, we've got six communities in our county and we don't work together. Everybody jumps in her car and drives over to Lafayette and West Lafayette. So we want to make sure we're supporting each other. I said, man, I have been working on this for five years. Can I show it to you? So I laid out what we're doing. And they said, could we just buy the whole county? So I gave him a number. I said, okay, all in. You guys give me this and we'll do the whole county. And so what we came up with was, I just asked him, I said, do you have 80 organizations in your county? He goes, oh yeah, we got every bit of 80 organizations that would post events. And I said, well, you know, if, if you did 80 organizations at hundred bucks a piece, that's 8,000 bucks. What if we did five grand for a year? And I said, but I don't care how many you register. And so that's where we started at. So then I started, we picked up a couple of counties and here was the hard part. COVID hit month three. I mean, literally when we started, COVID hit month three. So that, that didn't help any. What was going to be three months took, what, 18? So we came out of COVID. We had six or seven more counties that joined almost right away. And then I had the state step up and go, hey, we want to do this statewide. And man, that was exciting. And I'm like, this is it. Man, we're there. We made it the bureaucracy. It just, so I stopped selling on a, on a small community basis. And I went after this big one. Well, then Florida came after that, you know, came after that. Somebody from Florida reached out to me and then somebody from Georgia. And so I'm working on these massive, these major deals, which will go, but man, as an entrepreneur, I don't, I don't have deep pockets and I'm not one who's went out and I tried to come up with, you know, sell part of the company. So it, the toughest part is, you know, how do you get from where I'm at to that next level? Because any one of those goes and man, we're on, we're going to take off like a rocket, but uh, it's, it's hard. It's hard to serve both masters doing the, doing the small, you know, I mean, it's me and I hired three guys to do my development cause I'm not a developer. So it's, it's me and them and a couple of people that uh, uh, help me uh, in, in various things, sales, support. Uh, I believe there's eight of us. Yeah, there's eight of us all together uh, right now. So, you know, we're getting there, but as soon as one of them goes, we're going to be great. But that, that's the hardest part is how do you wear all the hats and do, I could have 30 people. If I had 30 people right now, we'd be smoking, but I don't have those resources. Yeah. I was just recording a show earlier about, and we were talking about waiting and how, <laughs> how that's like this essential characteristic of to be successful as as an entrepreneur, someone that's for, forging new territory, is like you you have this great idea, but then it's like you're waiting for like you think okay this big deal is going to close and it's going to change the trajectory of my business and then it, like one month goes by and it's like we're still interested you know two months goes by still there just you know you need to wait for this date and then like three months goes by and maybe it'll happen or something changes and they back out and then you, you know, you're, you're at square one again. So like, how do you, how do you deal with the waiting? Like what, how do you handle that? Well, fortunately I've never slept at night. So I'm not, I'm not missing any sleep. <laughs> That's never happened. Uh, you know, every day I, I I'm thankful for, I've been, I've been blessed in a lot of ways. And, and what I say, when I say I've been blessed, I got a great family. I got a great wife. that's very supportive. 
that means everything, or I couldn't do this. And uh, so what I, the, the waiting part is, I'm always trying to figure out how can I do this more effectively. So there are rural community organizations all across the United States that are trying to figure out how do we get from this struggling, declining community back into a forward thinking with upward mobility? How do we get back there? Well, what, what is lacking in those communities, it wasn't mine, it wasn't those I've worked with. What's lacking in those communities are the tools. People are sick and tired of having a meeting to talk about the next meeting. And, and there's nothing that you can actually implement that, that has an impact. And so our platform does that. It's impactful on every level. So it literally people that are ambassadors to their community, that care about their community, they're engaged already, and they're just looking for that, that thing they can grab a hold of, we're it. Okay, so what we're doing is we just, uh, we just put together a uh, five steps in six weeks program where any community could take our platform and adopt it in their community. And in five simple steps, literally, you know, convene people, you know, connect them, just literally walk through these five steps. And at the end of that five steps, six weeks later, you've got the basis of connectivity and awareness that's been lacking for years. And you can start seeing the future. And, and the last step in that is, of those five steps is, go tell your neighboring community. Because without them, you're nothing. And, and I, 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 that sounds bad, and I don't mean, but you aren't. You, you are. New York City. I mean, New York City, right? With, with, when COVID was there, it literally shrunk. And it hurt. New York, those major communities, if, if it's not for people coming from around the world, they can't survive. That is so true in our in our little communities as well. If we don't support each other, then we're gonna we're gonna dry up and go away. And when I say support each other. There's so many aspects to that. And you know what? I don't need to have a grocery store in every town like we did 30 years ago for us, right? That doesn't have to, or you know, in every little community. But what I have to do is I've got to know there's a grocery store uh, eight miles that way, and four miles this way, and six miles that way. I need to know where they are. But if, if I live in a town without one, then I like I need to leverage theirs. If I live in a town that that doesn't have uh, great X, you know, whatever it is, doesn't matter. We've got all of these things. Let me show them off. But I'm lacking this. Well, if the next town has it, I'm going to show it off. Every town, you tell me, we all do it. Get off any any, any interstate exit across the United States, and what do you see? You see a McDonald's, a Wendy's, a Burger King. You know what I mean? Every community doesn't have to have that to survive. Every th- Those rural communities have their unique features. If I leverage what they have and they leverage what I have, we're stronger. It's that, that one, one size fits all, man. That's, what, that's, what I, that's why I like my rural community. I, I love getting out there and it's different. I go to the local diner and it's not the same menu as the local diner, you know, eight, eight miles down the road. So guess what I do when I want something different? I go down there. And so that's the whole thing, but you got to know about it. Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned some some team members and obviously like you like most founders have this burning passion for what you do what you're building but then in order for you to grow it you have to like you said I don't I don't do the development I need other people so besides like the skill sets that you needed <laughs> like how do you how do you find the people to join the team that you know like w- what characteristics are you looking for in them outside of just like they can do these certain things that, that help you to know, like, this is the right person for where we are right now. 
I guess as an entrepreneur, it's share your story. And if people get it, you know, I, I've never really sought after trying to find any one type of person other than developers. Uh, and, and living in a rural community, there's not a lot of developers, okay? So I did, I happened to, I found a young man who was building a website that was embedding our platform on that website. And he gave me his business card. And one day I called him and I said, hey, I just looked at your website. And I said, I didn't know you freelanced. I need some help. I want to know what you think. And he goes, oh, I love your system. I'd love to get involved in that. He says, and I've got two or three buddies that would love to get involved in that. And so, you know, that was, I love that. You know, they saw it. They saw value in it. But outside of that, I've got one uh, gentleman. He teaches cultural tourism at IUPUI. He's been involved in community development for 35 years. And I was told by a friend, have you ever talked to Phil Anderson? I said, I don't know, Phil. And I looked up on LinkedIn and we were actually connected. We had met in the past, but I didn't know it. So I called Phil and we got together and it's like, oh my gosh. So he gets exactly what we're doing. And he and I have just, uh, we just connected. And so he knows a lot of people I don't know and it works. I've got another gentleman who is a service, my service guy, my support team director. He loves what we're doing. He's just passionate about it, gets it. I guess I've never looked for people because I was never in a financial position, just go out and hire a bunch of people. But I tell my story and people say, hey, can I help? I want to be involved. And man, so I, I don't I don't even know what else to say other than I've just been really fortunate that people saw my vision, shared it. And, you know, my developers, obviously, I uh, it takes revenue to take care of them. But we've been able to meet those. We've been able to meet that. And then in other areas, uh, we get consulting. We do other things as well. We build websites and do consulting. And so we have these other team members are able to make money in those areas until we get this thing fully fledged out. Yeah, that's awesome. I, that's one of the biggest questions, you know, when we're advising startups that in, in our space, like we're on the people experience side of, of companies and it's, they're asking us, how do I, it's like, I have this challenge where I need people I can't grow without people, but then also I I don't yet have the capital. It's kind of that chicken and the egg to really grow. And and so what we're encouraging people to do is exactly what you shared. And it's like figure out how to concisely and passionately share like your why behind what it is you do what you do and share that in as many different arenas as you can, you know, conferences, podcasts, you know like, et cetera. And those, like the people with the right skill sets will begin coming to the table. Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. It's going to surprise you. They're going to jump in with you because they, they truly believe in what you're doing. And it's, you know, it's different than posting a job on, you know, on ZipRecruiter or Glassdoor and being like, oh, you know, waiting for one of the 150 resumes you get to be like a solid one it sounds like you're doing exactly what is what you need for those early people. And that's people that share and in, in that passion with you. Oh so. yeah. Now we've, we've been, it's all worked out well. So I, I tell you what I did though. And this was, so I started this thing. The idea came to me 10 years ago and a, and a friend of mine who had built a software platform for, for me when I owned my mortgage company, I hadn't talked to him in several years. He called me up one day, he says, Hey, what's going on? How's life? And I said, Ah, good. And he says, tell me about what, 
John, you always got some idea going to the background, what's happening. I said, I got this concept. He goes, let me help you build it. Let's do this. So we, we started, he built it to an MVP with me. We got it to an MVP. And then I, here's, here's where I went sideways. I had a software group that said, hey, we're always looking for a product that we can help with. We'd like a piece of the pie. And so I went and sat down with them. I said, this is what we're doing. And they said, oh man, we could build that out. Everything, because here's my wish list, right? We could build that out for you in 12 weeks. I'm like, wow, this is, this is six, seven years ago. And we were ready to take off. We were in 45 uh, communities at the time. And everything was just primed to take off. And I got blinded by these guys. I'm, I really like them. Don't get me wrong. Their motivations and mine were totally different. They were looking for a possibility. Let us build a little software. If it takes off, we'll win. They, shared, they did not share my passion. They didn't really get what we were doing. So after struggling for almost two and a half years of it, what was going to be 12 weeks became two and a half years of they had too many projects. Ours got shoved over in a corner with a little development group uh, in India and uh, they weren't managing it the way, you know, so it, it became me trying to communicate with some guys on the other side of the world, really good people. No one ever understood my vision and it dragged out. Well, how, what happened in that window is, and I'm working with communities, we had elections, we changed administrations and of the 45 communities that were my launching, you know, that was my launch point about 40 of those died over that window, you know, because we weren't doing anything of value. So we had to sever ties and I had to take a step back and start from scratch. In my fifth year, I literally, from the, from the day of the dream, in my fifth year, two and a half years into having customers, I had to start over. And that was four years ago. That was the hardest thing. And it was, I got excited because, wow, these guys can do what I cannot but I didn't, I didn't evaluate that they didn't share my passion. And, and I'm not mad at them. That, that, I had to learn that. You know what I mean? But so, so if I see those guys today, I think the world of them, I really do. They're just good guys. But they didn't share my passion. But I was so eager that I, I, I jumped on something I shouldn't have. And it cost me in a big way. And to go back and regain those 45 customers, that's not easy. Right. You know. Yeah. And I, I think all of those, those stories that, that we hear of like your story is one of many where it's like entrepreneurs that experienced something very painful and, you know, they went in a direction they thought at the time was right. And then they realized later it wasn't I think um, those are so shaping. And I think they have the opportunity if we allow them to, to be, you know, more of a teacher and something that, that shapes us to, to do things differently and better and, you know, in, in a good way or, you know, to dig in, dig in our heels and become bitter and, you know, like I'll never do that again. And, you know, oh, don't do and, that. And, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like you've really chosen to be like, you know, to think, you know, reflect on it, but then say like, you know, what can I learn from this and how can I, how can I be better as a result? Well, I just learned when I was 19 years old, I read a book called Failure Way to the Top. And, you know, I mean, it's our mistakes, it's our failures that make us learn. So, yeah, I, that's that's just part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're we're nearing the end of our time today. And I, I always like to ask two like lightning round questions. So the intention here is to like quick, quick bullet point advice for entrepreneurs um, that are listening 
So first is like, what is it that you do to recharge that recharges you better than, than anything else? Oh man, for me, what I have to do is I have got to get my team together because we all tend to, we'll, we'll take on, uh, kind of say, okay, here's, here's a, we're, we're going to go after this specific thing and we're going to work on it for a month. And we kind of separate out in our own little, we got to come back together, regroup and set our sights on that next, you know, what's our next sprint? What's going to be that next thing where, and there's always a new concept. Always a customer's always asking for something new. Uh, so we're working on that all the time, but it's bringing the team together is where my energy comes from. Yeah, we can't sit too long in, in our own little. It's we all get work done that way. Don't get me wrong, and we got to get back together and stay. You know, bring everyone's energy and refocus. Yeah, that's really good. And then, if you were talking to somebody like who is an entrepreneur that's new, that's diving in for the first time, they're passionately solving a new problem. Like, what advice would you give them? What would be your top piece of advice? Find somebody who's already done what you are trying to do and find out what mistakes they made and avoid those. And that's, that's the gap that I never did have. I never went out and found somebody that's been down this path until I was into this for years. So, and I'm not talking about somebody, if they've done exactly what you've done, then you don't have a new idea. I'm not talking about that. But somebody who's taken a concept, ran with it, and you consider them successful, that's where you want to be. Go, go, and I guarantee you, They'll sit down with you because they'll 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 take it as a uh, as a compliment that you even want to talk to them, and so sit down with them and say, okay, what what mistakes do I need to avoid and avoid those, and you'll be surprised how much y- your success will come quicker. Yeah, that's good. I I think we've probably like it seems like about fifty percent of the time when I ask that question, people res- like you respond like find a mentor, and I just like. I like the nuance that you gave there. It's like find someone that's been down this road and, you know, can help you avoid what not to do. Uh, that's, I like that, that nuance. You can, you, you might save months or years. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, when I, I'm kind of chuckling internally um, when I think about like times where I've mentored or try to, you know, parent my, my, my oldest son. And it's like, I hope that I can train you and so you can avoid the mistakes that I made. And I think, (laughs) I think there's some like good and some wisdom in that, but then there's also like, there's a part of it too, where it's just like dive in and sometimes like you got to figure it out on your own and you are going to make mistakes. Maybe some of the ones that, you know, that I made as well. So I've always told my kids, here's the mistakes I made. Don't make them go make new ones. You yeah. were all going to make mistakes, but man, don't do these. I know they don't work. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your time and yeah, me the too. depth and, and candor at which you shared today. And um, if people want to get in touch with you and what's up 24 seven, where would you point them? Well, you just reach out to me at my email. It's John J O H N at what's up 24 com. Pretty simple. Awesome. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes as well so people can get easily in touch with you. And again, thank you so much for your time today and the wisdom you shared. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Thank you for listening to today's interview. To view show notes or hear more episodes, please visit www.savagetosage.com.